The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about some of the most important metrics for marketers. Joining us is Paul Orlando, who is the Incubator Director and Adjunct Professor at the University of Southern California, which is one of the world's leading private research universities, a global center for the arts, technology, and international business. USC's diverse curriculum provides extensive opportunities for interdisciplinary studies and collaboration with leading researchers in highly advanced learning environments, including specifically, like Paul, in marketing. And today, Paul and I are going to discuss calculating LTV. All right, here's the first part of my conversation with Paul Orlando, the incubator director and adjunct professor at the University of Southern California. Paul, welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Thanks, Ben. Good to be here. Excited to have you on the show, and I have to apologize off the bat right now. Oh, no. Are you ready to hear why? Go for it. I grew up in Northern California. I went to Boston University, which is 3,149 miles away from where I was born, and Boston University doesn't have a football team, so I have been cursed with a lifelong fanship of the University of California football team, and I have to say... I'm sorry, because every time you say USC or I say USC, I'm just, I have to boo. And it has nothing to do with the academic university, but I grew up with a passionate dislike for your football team. Since I was born, I've been brainwashed. And if it comes out now, I'm sorry. But the good news, do you want the good news, Paul? I don't know how we're possibly going to recover from this. I'm in a good mood, Paul. You know why? Cal beat USC for like the first time ever that I've seen it live at home in California Memorial Stadium. So I don't really have any hard will right now. Next year, you get a new football coach. You're going to kick the crap out of us. <laughs> it's all downhill from here. How much of a football fan are you? I will sum it up like this. I have been to one tailgate. Never actually made it to a game, but does the tailgate kind of count for something? It sounds like you had a good time if you didn't make it into the game. Yeah. In fact, it was the most intense thing I've ever seen. Like 100,000 people. Plus, I was, at the time, carrying a couple of small children, so it was even more fun. Hard to carry a beer when you have a kid in each arm. But yeah, I, I haven't actually gotten out to a game yet, but it's probably because I've only been there like you know, six or seven years. Yeah. 
Well, that's probably good news for the people that are listening to this podcast that want to hear about marketing. Instead of counting things in seven and threes, we're going to be going with ones and zeros most likely. Now, Paul, you're an expert. You're the director, uh, incubator director and adjunct professor. Are you the adjunct professor of marketing at USC? It's uh, entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship. Okay. So I've had a couple stints in entrepreneurship, including running the media business that we're running now. We're rebanding it to be called I Hear Everything. But one of the things that is always a highly sought after number is trying to understand when you're building a business, how much are your customers worth? This is obviously something that's top of mind and probably something you teach. Talk to me about calculating LTV. What's the secret sauce here? Well, this is where it sounds like a very simple concept. And yet, once you start to dig in, you discover there's lots of layers to this. So I'll break it down like this. First of all, what do we really mean by lifetime value? There's a few pieces of this. You have your price per unit sold, you know, whatever it is that you are selling. You have the cost of actually producing that thing. We could be talking physical product. We could be talking software. And then you have some metric around repeat purchases. So is this a subscription business where people come back every month and you're just automatically billing them? Is this a one-off sale? All variations. Those three elements work together. And I always like to ask that exact question of other startups, other businesses, what's your LTV? And if they tell me a single number, I know that they probably haven't thought that deeply about this yet. The reason is you could separate your LTV out in a number of ways. You could do this by customer segment, by channel to which you reach your customers, by cohort. And it's really in understanding those. So you don't really want an average. You want to like try to get a little more granular. And then what I call uh, understanding LTV like as a, a river, you know, as a, like a sequence of flows rather than a single static number. So instead of $100, it might be I'm getting like you know, $5 a month for 20 months typically. It's a little bit of a misleading metric based on name, customer lifetime value, because it assumes that you know the duration of a customer lifetime. And I worked at a startup called Rinse, which is a dry cleaning and laundry delivery service. And we were trying to balance CAC versus LTV. Mm -hmm. It was there while we were going through the A round fundraising process. And that was you know, one of the metrics or, or two of the metrics we really need to focus on. And it was hard because every customer's life is a little different. So do you take a cohort of customers and average out their lives? Well, some of them are still buying. That influences. Those are your stickiest, best customers. Maybe they have a 10-year duration. You're looking at a one-year window. It was a nearly impossible thing to calculate, not only because value, operational costs, but also duration. So you mentioned that there's a couple different flavors of LTV and it is not a discrete number, but when you're doing things like your LTV versus CAC calculations, which is something that the venture capital community often looks at, you have to come up with some singular number. So is there a rule of thumb based on business model type industries? Walk me through some of the little nuances on a pricing model basis. It really depends on the business type. So in your old business, you have a few things going on there. You would think anyway that when it comes to something like laundry, there's some type of regularity. Like people do laundry once a week, twice a week. Once a month. Right, yeah. Once a month for a delivery service. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Hopefully people are doing their laundry more than once a month overall. So you think there's some regularity there. And then you also have, if I'm thinking about a typical month, like what is typical, it changes around the year. You know, if it's winter, your clothes are different than summer. So there's some difference in maybe the demand. Then there's also some difference in the cost side. 
and I'm really projecting onto your old startup here. Well, the difference on the cost side was if it was a laundry customer, they were significantly less value from a unit economics perspective, but if it was a dry cleaning customer, the price point's higher, and so they were more valuable. Yeah. The cost is also probably coming in just in like the, the difference of the clothes, like the cost of processing each article of clothing. So I would really answer this question by saying, like, start with an understanding of your own business model and then kind of step through those three pieces, price per unit, cost per unit, and a retention metric. Once you have a little comfort with calculating this, you'll step through it based on a specific segment. Or when I see a cohort, I might be tracking a cohort based on when they entered. And so there's a maybe a specific feature set that they had when they came in. I'm always improving things. And so the ones that came later on, I'm figuring I've improved some elements there. But I like to calculate LTV not as a static number, but instead over time. A simple way to do that is you put these numbers into a spreadsheet and you're going through basically whatever makes sense to you. And your laundry example sounds like month by month, whatever makes sense to you, you're, you're going through how you are getting margin back from your customers. When you have a little understanding there, and this does take a while, like it takes a while just to understand how your customers behave, then you can start to talk about things like a payback period for customer acquisition. So customer acquisition is often a thing that you know up front. It takes a little while to understand LTV. You can get to a payback period first. You're still retaining that customer in theory, but you can get to an understanding of how many periods does it take for me to pay back that acquisition cost. And then you're improving the product. So you might extend that lifetime value or grow it beyond what you first thought. So is there a rule of thumb when you're talking to somebody in entrepreneurship or in the investment community about what's the period or time window you're supposed to evaluate your LTV? Are we taking monthly cohorts and we're averaging them out over a five-year period, over a one-year period? Like, What's the standard way or time frame to look at calculating LTV? Again, kind of always different. In the beginning, I would think about a couple of things. Maybe I'll give an example of like a hardware company or a, like a physical product company and a software company. So something that often restricts the growth of physical product companies, it's that timing between when they have to go out and say, buy inventory, buy components, you know, do assembly, put the thing together, and the time that they actually get paid. In general, if you're talking like a hardware product, something like four months can go by if they are actually building the inventory before they sell. And then like, you're waiting for the sale to happen, the payment processor to deposit the money in their account. That restricts their growth. So if they are completely dependent upon customers purchasing for their growth, so like they haven't raised outside money, if they're completely dependent upon uh, customers for their growth, that really constricts how they can grow. So they're growing you know, much more slowly than otherwise. If on the other extreme, it's completely a software business, and here I'm assuming they've built the thing already, whatever it is that they are selling, and the way that they get paid is somebody visits a website, they click buy, and they're done. They are completely moved through the funnel and say they're charging month to month. It is a much shorter timeline. So it really depends on the type of business that you're building. When we've um, heard some maybe extreme examples of companies seeming to do really strange things, like you know, dumping a ton of money into customer acquisition or like paying what seems like a really high customer acquisition cost, that can sometimes be the result of them having raised a lot of venture capital and being guided into growing maybe a little faster than they should. 
And the mentality is often, we want to pump money into growth. We are going to figure things out at some later date. Like we're going to be able to improve the LTV that we see. We're going to drive our competitors out of business and therefore we won't have to pay so much. So CAC is going to go down. The extreme examples of the past few years being companies like Blue Apron, Casper, losing money basically on every customer that they add. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. I'll go back to my dry cleaning and laundry example there was a company called Washio, who was the other biggest dry cleaning and laundry competitor. And they had a high growth model, took more investment up front, raised and raised and raised and raised. And they were able to lower their cost per acquisition, but their LTV was upside down, right? They were losing money on each customer. And eventually they ran out of money and went out of business while Rinse was focused on more sustainable growth and ended up buying the assets from Washoe or at least their customer list. So this is an important metric, but it also can be very tricky. Not only is it about determining the value of your customers, but there's weighting it with what the cost is to acquire them as well. I remember that company as well. In fact, I remember a student that I had back then. So this must have been 2015, 2016. I remember a student of mine actually speaking with them or interviewing there, and they had shut down by the time that they finished that interview process. It was pretty quick. But yeah, like the businesses that have that approach, raise a ton of money up front, or the network of the founders enables them to do that in spite of the LTV being upside down. It can make you think, am I just going about this all wrong? I see everybody else spending aggressively. Should I be doing the same thing? Not necessarily, but you're going to feel that pressure if your competitors are driving up customer acquisition cost or like you're willing to accept an LTV that's really low. So a lot of what I think about or write about related to these topics is be aware that those are tactics. I'm I'm also assuming that you have an approach that you want to build a business that is sustainable. So looking at each of those things is important. 
Paul, what I'm hearing from you is that there's basically three components that you really need to factor in when you're calculating your LTV. You're looking at what is the average order price, the duration or reoccurrence of those revenues, and also what's the customer cost. Is it as simple as that? Is there a churn ratio or any other metrics that people are looking at to evaluate their LTV? That I usually bake into that retention metric, that repeat purchase metric. So when I model this out and what I show in that growth units book is I just track this period. So say month over month, I'll track my retention. That will give me a weighted gross margin or weighted contribution margin per period. I can sum those up. And by the time I, in a period that I choose, maybe I choose a year, I can talk about like, what is the sum of all that margin I'm getting back from the customer in that year? But I basically go through all of that revenue per customer, cost per customer, that gross profit, how many are retained, and then that's fitting on that, like that weighted gross profit. I'm sure how you handle this depends on what type of business you're in. But I go back to think about LTV, and I mentioned like my days at Rinse, where there was always this notion of the outliers or the whales, where hey, the average customer comes in, they place ten orders, the average order value is thirty dollars one order per month. So they last, let's round up to a year and they're a $300 customer. Great. That's the LTV on average. But then there are some customers who are 10 year customers who order every week and their average order size is $50. And now you're looking at, there are some customers that are five and $10,000 customers and the average customer is 300. When you blend them together, you get this sort of LTV that is balanced and skewed by a couple of customers who are huge advocates of your customers, your products or services. When you're figuring out what an LTV is for a company, are you taking out the outliers? Are you taking out the customers that never completed the purchase funnel? Are you taking out the people that are, you know, my mom, she doesn't count because she buys something every day just to try to boost my business. How do you sort of normalize data to make sure that your LTV is accurate? Or is it just this is the data and we have a $1 million customers and a bunch of $10 customers and they average out to be $10,000 per customer? I would split those LTVs out by those customer types. And then the second thing I would do would be to look at, in your example, if you've got those really profitable ones, is that possible to grow that segment? Or later on, if I'm looking at the CAC of that segment, is that also unfavorable? Maybe those seem to be like they're driving a lot of value into me, but they are so expensive to land. So I hate going back to that it depends kind of answer. It just it does. And that's why if you just average everything out, you lose all that detail. And it could be the case that you have one segment that maybe the LTV for them is relatively low, but there are a lot of people like that. It is cheap to acquire them and you could really grow there. And like the reverse for a potential small niche segment that's really expensive to gain. But if you can, they are really profitable. So really depends on the kind of business that you have in your market. You know, like most things in marketing, like most things in business, the answer, it depends, not what we want to hear, but it's true in the sense that specifically with LTV, the math is relatively simple. How much money did a customer give me per order? How many orders did they have? How much did it cost me to acquire that customer and produce those orders? Great. You've got an LTV. That's not complicated. But there's a lot of nuance in terms of understanding your business, understanding what's influencing your LTV. And that really means that you got to get under the hood and understand not only what segments are driving LTV, and you can get into some more customer segmentation, 
to understand not only what your LTV is, what drives it, but also how to optimize it. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Paul Orlando, the incubator director and adjunct professor at University of Southern California. Boo. (laughs) (laughs) In part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow, Paul and I are going to talk about your customer acquisition costs. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Paul, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter where his handle is P Orlando. That's P-O-R-L-A-N-D-O. Or you could visit his website, which is startupsunplugged.com. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our weekly newsletter and you can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is benjshap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.